Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for this first Sunday of Lent is a very important one, and the church always gives us powerful gospels, especially at the very beginning of Lent, as we enter into this very important penitential season. So the gospel for this Sunday is St. Mark's version of the temptation in the wilderness. Now, see, unlike Matthew's and Luke's, which are full of rich detail about Jesus' confrontation with Satan, Mark's account is, like the rest of his gospel, sort of spare and unadorned, understated. You know, for all of that, I think it's, it's in some ways more powerful he just he's like a he's like a fine abstract painter with just a few strokes he'll suggest the the spiritual power of a story so what we hear from mark is simply this that the spirit drove jesus into the desert where he was tempted by satan it's very important this first observation isn't it that it was the spirit who drove jesus into the desert What's going on there? Why would the Spirit of God, why would the Holy Spirit drive him into a place of temptation? Well, think of it from the standpoint, not so much of Jesus' divine nature, but of his human nature. So Jesus is, we know, fully human, like us in all things but sin, which means he was tempted. And the Gospels are very clear. The whole New Testament is very clear about that. And see, from a purely human standpoint, there is something valuable spiritually about this kind of temptation. Why? Because it strengthens and clarifies who we are. You know, again, I'm talking about his human nature, that in his confrontation with Satan, Jesus comes to a clearer um, sense of his mission. Now, Here's the next thing Mark says, again, in this very spare account. He says, he, Jesus, was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Stay with that image for a little bit. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. He stood, as it were, in this time of temptation, between the physical and the spiritual. Between, if you want, the animal and the angelic. See, that's the, the little icon that we're being uh, compelled to see here. It's a commonplace among the church fathers, the great early theologians, that the human being is a kind of microcosm. I mean, is, is like a universe in miniature. For the human being combines in himself both matter and spirit, the two basic realms of created reality. 
angels, creatures like us, but angels are purely immaterial. Wild animals and insects, etc., are purely material. But human beings are a kind of hybrid of both body and soul, of both spirit and matter. We stand, as it were, between the angels and the wild animals. Now, this means something very important, that, that we play a key role in the cosmos. And again, the church fathers were very clear on this. Effectively knitting it together. See, it's as though in the human being, these two realms come together. We, as it were, preside over the reconciliation of the material and the spiritual. That's why at our best, we represent a beautiful harmonizing of these two dimensions. You know, think for a second, when we see uh, or we hear beautiful singing, say we hear a choir and all kinds of different voices, there's something there of the coming together of the spiritual and material, isn't there? Because in singing, you've got things like vocal cords and, and throats and tongues and very physical things are involved, breath and so on. But also great singing is very much an intellectual exercise, very much determined by the soul. And, and when it happens beautifully, it's the coming together of those two. Or think of a, a couple dancing. You know, as I'm recording these words, uh, the, uh, the Winter Olympics are going on. And watching some of the, the ice skating uh, just last night, well, you're struck by that. I mean, how physical that is, how much the body's involved, but also, you know, the, the soul, the spirit, the, the immaterial. Or, for example, change the, the metaphor a bit, two teams playing a, a, a game at a very high level. Think of two, you know, evenly matched basketball teams or football teams. Something beautiful about the way the material and the immaterial come together. Or, give another example, in splendid moral achievements. You know, in my mind, I always go back to uh, the Mother Teresa sisters on the streets of Calcutta. In one of the worst neighborhoods in the world. And there they are, joyfully radiating their sense of, of, of God's purpose. You know, what a beautiful coming together of the physical as these nuns go out you know, in their bodies with their hands into this very grubby material situation, but they go bearing the spirit. See, aren't these all times, if you want, when the soul seems to shine through the body or when the body seems perfectly attuned to the soul. You see what I'm driving at? And at those moments, doesn't it seem to us anyway, that the world is just set right? See, that's the role, if you want, that human beings are meant to play. That's what we're meant to be at our best, is the coming together of the angelic and the animal, the spiritual and the material. Okay, let's keep going. So what sin? Well, you know, the word sin in English is derived from a German word, Zunda. Zunda. And Zunda, S-U-N-D-E, is, is the ground of our word sunder, sundering. See, sin always involves some kind of dividing, some sort of separation. 
I've talked about uh, the diabolic before, right? That word diabolain in Greek means to scatter, to separate, to divide. And so sin is always a kind of sundering or division. One of the marks of this sundering, it seems to me, is the sundering of the spiritual and the physical, right? That our, our minds and our wills and our bodies seem at odds with each other. St. Paul said, there's a war in my members, meaning it's, I'm at war with myself. It's just, my, my emotions and my mind and my will and my body are at odds with each other. There's a battle between the physical and the spiritual. That's one of the marks of sin. It's one of the things, just to anticipate here now, that we have to come to terms with during a season like Lent, as we come to terms with our own sinfulness. Now, press a little bit further. One of the clearest marks of our sinful selves is the tendency to oscillate dangerously between the two extremes. Sometimes utterly indulging our animal natures, other times utterly spiritualizing ourselves. That sound familiar at all? That first option is well known. All forms of materialism and hedonism fall into that category. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you may die. What Sigmund Freud called the pleasure principle dominates many lives. Right? I live for the satisfaction of my animal nature for the pleasures of food and drink and sex. Think of the playboy lifestyle, you know, in our own time. Well, see, what is that but someone resolving his life purely on the side of the material? Bracketing, as it were, the spiritual side. But this leads to shipwreck, as anyone who's walked down that path can tell you. See, animals can live their lives that way because they're nothing but matter, but human beings will fall into depression if we one-sidedly satisfy our animal natures, for our souls, our minds, our spiritual dimension will rebel. Now, the other extreme, as I suggested, also exists, which is a rejection of the body, a sort of one-sided embrace of the spiritual dimension. You know, perhaps afraid of our bodily impulses, which are indeed often unruly, I'll grant you that, but we fly up into our minds or into the more rarefied portions of our souls. We become purely spiritualized, suspicious of the body, especially that most powerful of bodily desires, namely sexuality. And see, this can lead to all forms of puritanism and dualism, excessive asceticism, a contempt for the physical. But see, this is just as unhealthy as the first option of the playboy lifestyle. This is also unhealthy because Catholic theology rooted in the Bible has always avoided this tendency. The body is good in itself, and so are its fundamental desires. Sexuality is in itself good and should be celebrated. Running from the flesh is not what the authentic spiritual life is about. Okay, so with that in mind, let's go back to this gospel image. Jesus is driven into the desert to be tempted. Again, don't be scandalized. We're talking about his human nature. One temptation, you might say, will be toward a purely animalistic or purely materialistic life. Matthew and Luke give us more details, right? The devil says, turn these stones into bread. Well, that's the temptation to resolve the tension purely on the side of the physical, 
to live in the flesh and for the present moment. But see, the other two temptations, you might say, appeal to the spiritual nature. Throw yourself down from the temple, and the angels themselves will, will prevent you from being injured. Well, that's the allure of pride. And then from the top of the, the mountain, the devil shows him all the kingdoms. All this I will give you if you but bow down and worship me. Well, that's the allure of power. These are more rarefied spiritual temptations. Holding off all of these temptations, Jesus finds the balance that's proper to the human way of being. He doesn't eschew the body. He disciplines it properly. He doesn't eschew the spirit. He grounds it. And see, everybody, it's this very reconciliation that is summed up in that beautiful and mysterious image of Jesus among the wild beasts and being ministered to by the angels. There he's in the right space. He himself is the knitting back together of creation. He himself is the balance that we seek. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.